Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 53. Welcome back to the Medical School HQ Podcast. This is the place to learn how to excel as a pre-med student, learn what it takes to survive medical school, and turn your dreams of becoming a physician into reality. We're bringing you the most unbiased, honest, and accurate information available online today. Hi folks, as always, my name is Ryan Gray and I will be your host today. Today we have a wonderful interview with another medical student, our third in a row. I hope you are learning a ton of great information from these medical students, students that have kind of gone outside of the norm and have followed their own footsteps to get into medical school. And I bring these students on because they're they're showing you that you don't have to be that perfect medical student, the the perfect pre-med student, rather, to get into medical school. Admissions committees aren't looking for the same person in every student they accept. So you don't have to be that hard sciences major. You don't have to have the perfect GPA, the perfect MCAT score. You can be what you want to be and do what you want to do and still have the ultimate goal of being a physician at the end. And that's what today's podcast is all about. Dahlia Munves is a second-year medical student at the University of Texas at Houston, and she also blogs at the Health Scout blog and is on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is at Health Scout blog. So I'll have links to all of those in the show notes, which you can get at medicalschoolhq.net slash 53. So Dahlia and I talked a lot about her path into medical school and how she kind of stopped and started on her pre-med journey, kind of didn't really know if medicine was right for her, stopped for a little while, got re-engaged with medicine and realized that is really what she wanted to do and how ultimately she got her acceptance into medical school and is now pursuing that path. So, I hope you listened through the whole interview. Dahlia shares a ton of great information. Before we get started with the interview, though, I want to thank the three listeners that left five-star ratings and reviews for us. We are up over 100 five-star ratings, which is awesome. We got a five-star rating from Melissa. She says it's real and accessible. Melissa is from the oldpremeds.org community, and if you haven't been on that site I highly recommend you go over there. Oldpremeds.org is a great site that 
is the non-traditional version of Student Doctor Network. And it's I find it much better than Student Doctor Network. They're much more open, much more nice and honest at, uh, at oldpremeds.org. So if you haven't been over there, go over there, introduce yourself, let them know that you, uh, you found out about the site from the podcast, and uh, say hi to Rich. He's, uh, he's Gonif over there, the username Gonif. We also have a five-star rating from Latina Lone Star that says we're fantastic. She also had a recommendation about sharing some tips and experiences from pre-med and medical students who are also mothers. And Latina Lone Star, we are definitely looking into, actively looking into uh, exactly that. There's, there's a blog called Mothers in Medicine, and, and we've reached out to them and are asking for some people to interview. So hopefully we'll bring you some good interviews soon. And the other five-star rating was left by anesthesia to be. Uh, it says, Kevin the Pre-Med keeps my brain thinking and focused, always intrigued. Thank you. Thank you, anesthesia to be. I guess Kevin is your name. So let's get into the interview with Dahlia. We start the interview by talking about how Dahlia started her path to medicine. Well, I'm from Dallas, Texas, and I went to undergrad at University of Texas at Dallas. Um, And that was actually just going to be temporary. Um, I was going to go there for one year and then transfer to NYU. I don't know why I just got it into my head that I really needed to go to NYU. (laughs) And I did not know I wanted to be a doctor at that time. I wanted to do like writing or something creative, kind of like that. Um, So, but I ended up not getting into NYU. Um, That same summer, I happened to have a back injury and I had to get an MRI and it was kind of it was while I was laying in the MRI machine that I it kind of just occurred to me that I could become a doctor. <laughs> I really had never thought about it before then. Just randomly let, lying yeah. in that machine, hearing the <laughs> yeah. the clunking of the MRI. <laughs> well, I was like, that tech was really nice. I guess I could be like an MRI tech. <laughs> and then I was like, I guess I could be like a radiologist. <laughs> um, and then. UT Dallas um, is known for science and math. It was founded by um, the founders of Texas, who, you know, the calculator company. Um, <clears throat> so it was really strong in engineering and um, like nanotechnology. And now it has like a huge pre med program. So it was sort of, sort of fate that I ended up being there and deciding to go into medicine. So that was, was that still your freshman year? It was the summer after my freshman year. Okay. So you went through your first year, not pre-med. No. Still. I took college algebra (laughs) and (laughs) pre-calculus. Okay. ended up being total waste of credits (laughs) because then I had to take real math. (laughs) Yeah. Real math and real science. So the the summer between first and second year, you had this epiphany lying in the MRI machine. You you didn't have any other prior exposure to physicians. Nobody in your family is a physician. No, no one in my family is a doctor. The closest is my uncle is a PhD doctor. He's a psychiatrist. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, 
my sister had a lot of health problems growing up. She had really severe allergies. Um, she's allergic to dairy and egg and penicillin uh, and steroids. So <laughs> she got an allergy, like a food allergy. She couldn't take steroids. Wow. Um, so she ended up going to like all different specialists. She finally ended up going to a homeopathic doctor who is the one who really, he, he's actually a homeopathic doctor and an MD, but he ended up being able to help her. Interesting. But, um, I don't, I, I've have like flashbacks of remembering thinking about doctors and sitting there watching the doctors talk to my sister, but I really never, I just always thought I wasn't a science person. Okay. We'll, we'll dig that into that. that happens to a lot of girls. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a lot of girls might have that feeling, but I think society also might yeah. throw that. But that's a whole that's a whole different subject, yeah. whole different podcast. Um, yeah. So you you have this epiphany lying in the MRI machine, and I just I keep saying that because it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it really is how it happens. <laughs> like, bam. Where where did you go from there? So you you had. No pre-med exposure as a freshman. You go, I want to be a doctor. How did you, <laughs> what did you figure out from that point? Did did you like go to your, your pre-med, did you find a pre-med advisor on campus or where did you start getting information? Um, the internet, <laughs> primarily, I think. Student doctor? Uh, I can't remember the exact order, but I, I know that what I did that summer was I got a couple of books that were that are like kind of memoirs written by doctors about med school and stuff. Um, like first person accounts. I think one was intern blues, which yep. scared me. To it's a death. very good book. Yeah, it's really good, but it is not what internship is like. <laughs> Luckily. Um, yeah. And I bought some book that was just, like one page summaries of like all the med schools in the U S and kind of what their, I think it was an uh, AMCAS official book. I can't remember. Okay. Um, and I just kind of like looking through it at all the med schools and at the beginning it had a section about like requirements and, um, so then I just, I never went to the pre-med office. I just decided to sign up for general chemistry, uh, and decided if I, no, I think I just did Gen Chem first. I did calculus in the spring, but basically I decided if I could get A's in Gen Chem and calculus that, that that was a good sign. That was, that was your <laughs> sign. That was, that was your, your test. If you could yeah. get A's, then it was meant to be. And I ended up getting an A in calculus. I don't know how, because I don't remember anything from calculus, but. Neither does any other physician. <laughs> yeah, but I like went to all the tutoring and um, worked on it like every day, and ended up getting an A. I mean, I think I actually got like a sixty-five, but they had to curve that class so much that that was an A. <laughs> so it's all that matters is what's on the transcript. Yeah. <laughs> so I would e- even though. You you kind of started early on in your undergraduate career. I would I would call you a non traditional student at this point because you didn't come in knowing you wanted to be a doctor and you started a little bit late and you kind of went at it on your own. You sound like a very non traditional student. Would you 
count yourself into that crowd? Oh, definitely. Plus, at that this point, I was, t- I think I was twenty one already, because I was twenty when I started undergrad. Yeah, so I was twenty one. Okay, so you took some time off before undergrad. I was like three years older than everyone else taking Gen Chem with me. <laughs> <laughs> you stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> Okay. I don't know if I stood out, but <laughs> <laughs> so you you passed your little mini test and you got some A's. Did you go to the pre med advisor then and say, "Okay, what now?" No, I don't think I went to the pre med advisor <laughs> until I was like ready to start really thinking about applying. Uh, no, wait, no. Well, the only person I talked to was a um someone in the who was like a science advisor like for science majors okay. because I was at that point planning to get dual degrees in I wasn't sure what but probably biology and then I was going to continue with my literature degree also okay so I guess I talked to her but I think I only went in once or twice and that was just like what classes do I have to take to get the degree and wow that was it really <laughs> so you you kind of are winging it i would say yeah <laughs> using yeah. using the information from your your books maybe and whatever you find online uh which obviously it's if it's online it has to be true right yeah um, <laughs> um so was it smooth sailing from there you you did everything you needed to do you applied and got in and and lived life happily ever after <laughs> No, um, it was pretty smooth for for about two years, and then at that point, um, I just was really putting a lot of pressure on myself to do the two degrees, and I just thought I needed to do that. Um, I went to some like pre med, um, like like a half day at. UT Southwestern or they hosted pre-medical students and they just talk about applying and um, what do they look for and they kind of talk about it generally not just for their school but they're also kind of trying to recruit you um, so that scared me <laughs> what about it scared uh, you do you remember I just I just had this like timeline in my head that like I came up with a timeline that I needed to graduate. I mean, I knew it was going to take longer with two degrees, but it's like, I was like, okay, well, if it's two degrees, it's still impressive, even if I take five years, because I have two different degrees. Um, but it would have been, I think it would have been like 180 credit hours to do both degrees. That's a lot. So, um. That's a lot for two for uh, five years, even. <laughs> and um, I just felt like if I took any like time off or was taking any less than fifteen hours a semester, that it looked bad, and I, I just was really concerned about like how everything was going to look on an application, and just got really burnt out from being so focused on that. I feel like I lost kind of sight of enjoying my time in college i i think that's a a common thing as a pre-med there's 
there's seems like there's so many things that we have to do and it has to conform and it it has to be perfect and this is what the admissions committees want to see and if they don't see it then they're not going to be happy and I'm not going to get in and it sounds like that's what you were going through yeah and, definitely and i mean the the overall answer to that is no 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 but what were you going through at, at that point what did you decide to do to kind of counteract all those feelings well i tried um I took a research position, like an internship doing not bench research, but um, basically chart review um, at, at Texas Back Institute. So it was like neurological stuff, um, like spine pain. And mm-hmm. um, I was hoping that that would kind of, you know, be more hands on and get me interested in it again and help me remember you know, why I was excited about it. Um, and also, you know, I had had my back problem and my dad has had, now he has had two spine surgeries, but he had, he'd had all kinds of back problems already at that point. So I kind of had, that's why I wanted to do that. I thought I wanted to be a neurosurgeon cause I had this like personal experience with pain. And, um, so I took this internship and, well, I begged for it. They like created created it for me, and and I just did not enjoy it at all. Like I never wanted to go when I was there. I wanted to leave, um, so it did not do what I thought it would do for me. Okay. And and then it was winter break. Um, I stopped that, and then it was winter break. And then after winter break, I tried. You know, I was hoping that winter break would be long enough vacation that then I would be remotivated and I still was dreading going back to school and so that spring I just started out doing you know the classes I thought I needed to do and then I got like a couple weeks in I think I was taking orgo one and I was just like which everybody loves (laughs) I mean I actually ended up really liking (laughs) orgo when I took it later but I just I just could not do it. I mean, I just could not make myself do it. Yeah. I was too burnt out. I was like not interested in any of it. I started getting sick. So I got like cold after cold after cold and I had to miss like a week of school. And then, I mean, you can't miss a week of orgo at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> semester. Yeah. So then I just dropped all my science classes. I think I took only two classes that semester. Wow. And at that point, did you say, yeah, pre-med, it's not for me, never mind? Yeah, I was like, I'm not pre-med anymore. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay. So you're obviously in med school now. What what was, did you have another MRI? Were you lying on a table again (laughs) and go, you know what? I really do want to do this. What, What got you back into it? Um, well, so then I was taking, you know, just my back to my literature and philosophy courses. Um, so I stopped being pre-med in the spring, then the following fall, like uh, September, October, maybe, um, I was, went to my professor, my philosophy professor's office to just kind of talk about grad school. And like, maybe I wanted to get a PhD in philosophy. Maybe I wanted to teach and, um, 
So he was kind of like arguing that I should do that and was telling me all about getting PhD in philosophy and what it's like to teach. And then I found myself kind of like arguing against it and like all the reasons I shouldn't do it and and kind of like defending medicine. And so when I left there, I was kind of like, you know, it's like when someone you ask, like, what should I wear? And they tell you the wrong thing. Then you know what you wanted to wear in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so he gave me the wrong answer. And, and then I realized, like, I still wanted to do it. I felt really confused when I left there. <laughs> so, <laughs> what just happened? Um, yeah. So then I was talking to a friend about it. She suggested that I meet her doctor, who she just, like, loved and said he was so charismatic and such a good teacher. And um, so I went and met him and asked him if I could shadow him. And then I was pre-med again. <laughs> had at that point, had you have, had you have shadowed anybody? I had shadowed my OB-GYN, um, the summer before that. I was like in undergrad so long that now the timeline is confusing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, um, so you had shadowed somebody before. I had shadowed not not much. It was like a half day once a week for a month or two. Okay. And what was it about this new shadowing experience that that reignited your your desire to be pre-med again? I don't think it was the shadowing that did it. I think that in that time off, I matured and just got more secure and more stable in all, you know, all the other areas of my life and felt less like external pressure to like I had to do it a certain way. And then shadowing just kind of showed me how much I wanted to do it because I woke up at 4.45 in the morning to drive across town to be there at 7 a.m. before the sun came up in the cold winter, <laughs> cold <laughs> Dallas winter. <laughs> yeah, so you were getting used to being a resident. Um, yeah, but I was excited. Yeah. Oh, so after doing that, you know, especially after doing that every single, and this was like Friday morning too at the end of the week, mm. after doing that for over a month and still wanting to go, then it, I was like, just felt more confident that, I, I did still want to do it, and it had just been a, like a break that I needed. What kind of stuff were you doing while you were shadowing? Can you talk about the, the shadowing experience for a little bit? I love shadowing. <laughs> I wish I could still shadow all the time. There, the, <laughs> As a med student, as a resident, you will still have plenty of shadowing opportunities. Uh, it's There's more expectations now, <laughs> so it's not as much fun. as <laughs> more responsibility. But um, I, so I, you know, dressed nicely and showed up before any of his patients. You know, I just, I did what he told me to do. You know, he told me to dress, you know, business appropriate. And he wanted me to be there before anyone came. um, So he could kind of get me ready and look through the patients he was going to have. And then he, at first, just would have me come in and, uh, you know, would introduce me and I'd shake the patient's hand and then I'd just watch the uh, encounter, basically. Um, then, you know, as he got to know me better, he would, I would ask, sometimes ask questions in the room if it was like 
something I thought the patient might want to know, you know, not something offensive or really detailed or, you know. Um, but then I would ask him questions out in the hallway and be like, why'd you prescribe that? Or how do you know? You know, just, I was like at the basics. I'm like, what's metformin? <laughs> yeah. Or I would like Google, what, you know, look up on my phone, whatever he had just prescribed and see what it was. And then try to ask him a question based off of that. <laughs> uh, and then as I got, he got to know me better, like trust me more after a month or so, he would like send me in the room alone and be like, start, start getting this patient in the computer, like ask, I didn't know any of the terms at the time. Basically I was getting their chief complaint and taking their review of systems. Wow. Um, and he would like hand me his stethoscope and have me listen to their heart and lungs. Um, so it was really fun. That's I loved it. That's a great experience. And I, I wish more physicians were that open and that willing to, to help a pre-med student find their passion because that's that's exactly what you need to experience to know if it's right for you yeah that's good all right so you're back on at that point did you go to the pre-med advisor then (laughs) no uh yeah i think i did (laughs) okay i think i did at that point um i really it wasn't obviously didn't make that big of an impression on me because i don't remember the first time i went but um i mean i know when i was thinking about actually taking the mcat I went in uh, to figure out when I should take it and all of that. Um, And I was trying to decide which year I should apply because I was kind of behind in the prerequisites. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up actually taking the MCAT before I finished physics. So, which the pre-med advisor advised against. (laughs) Yeah. But my mentor advised me to do. So I listened to the doctor instead of the advisor. And that's that's not a bad thing. And I think <laughs> from what you've you saw and and uh um I I talk about it all the time on the show uh, on the podcast is the MCAT is the least content-based test out there for Yeah. Any of the the GRE, the LSAT, the med school courses, AP courses, the the MCAT tests your ability to take a test. It doesn't really yeah. test your content. There, there obviously is content that you need to know, but barely any. Yeah, for the most <laughs> really. part, you read the question, you can figure <laughs> out the answer from the question. In some ways, I think it was easier not knowing that much because I just knew I had to rely on my reasoning and what was in the passage and not think I knew the answer based on like outside knowledge. Yeah. Like, Oh, I remember that one weird equation and yeah, you start spending 10 <laughs> minutes on that so equation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's good info. <laughs> um, so after you regained your passion, you, was it, pretty set from there you didn't have any more kind of second thoughts and doubting yourself or were you pretty full steam ahead at that point oh i doubted myself <laughs> I knew we I all do med school. Um, i didn't doubt medicine anymore but i yeah it was pretty straightforward from there i just was trying you know like i said i struggled with when i should apply um, but at one of those like pre-med 
type conferences, I talked to an admissions person and asked them what they thought about taking the MCAT before taking physics two. And they basically said, you should just go ahead and try and apply because you, there's a chance you could get in. Even if you don't get in, you'll reapply. I mean, if I didn't get in either way, it would be another year before I got in, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, and at that point, were you just a, a four-year undergrad student? Overall, you still did undergrad in four years, or did you take an oh, extra year? no. <laughs> I was on my fifth year at okay. that point. Okay. So a, a fifth year undergrad, or five mm-hmm. years for undergrad. A did, senior. <laughs> and that's okay? How did that play out with your applications and interviewing? Did did you get questions about your time off and, and why you started late and the time that you took off? Um, I used one of my personal statements to just write about... Um, I just tried to... Or I didn't try to. I mean, I just focused on the positive with it. I talked about how I knew after high school, I just needed time off before college because I didn't feel motivated and I didn't want to go there and waste my time and money or anyone else's time and money uh, and not want to be there. Um, and then, and I just basically wrote that I felt the same way now I needed that time off, um, away from being pre-med and, uh, to consider other options. Like maybe I wanted to be a PA or a nurse or nothing medical at all, but I still came back to it and just felt, just knew I was ready. So I didn't, I don't think anybody asked me about my time off. I know nobody asked me about how long it took me to do my undergrad. It's like no one noticed. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are they looking at? I mean, I don't even know if they read that essay. And, so. and, and nobody, with with all that time off, no, nobody questioned your desire to be a physician and, and were you really uh, sure that's what you wanted to do? Say I that think, again. Say it. no. Nobody asked me okay. anything about it. I don't know if my essay, my uh, statement just convinced them before interviews of that already or if they just assumed it. I mean, I think they kind of question that less with older applicants just because it's already kind of harder to be... Um, need more sleep. <laughs> yeah. I don't have the advantage. Yeah. And I, and I think that's that's the the take home message here is that it, everybody starts off their pre-med path with what they think are all these check boxes that they need to accomplish. And if you do all these things, then you're going to get into med school. If you take all the right classes, if you get A's in all of them, if you take the MCAT at the perfect time and get the the perfect score and you have a great GPA, then you're going to get into med school. And I think, obviously, you're only one person, but we tell the story over and over and over again 
And we hear it from deans of admissions, and I, I, I try to get as, as much information. So you're not the only story that I'm telling, but you're just another story of somebody that didn't fill all those checkboxes properly, and you kind of filled in some circles and didn't fill check a box, and you kind of <laughs> did your own thing. Yeah. And you still made it into med school. And I, I think students need to hear that, that and non-traditional students as well, because those are the ones that are out there on the fence going, but uh, I'm I'm not that perfect pre-med student, so I don't know if they're going to like me. I'm a little bit different. I'm not a pure science person. And, and you're not that pure science person. You're definitely not. <laughs> you're, you're that, that right-brained person that you were talking about uh, during a, another call that we had. And you're you're in med school. You're you're doing it. You got in and nobody questioned it during your interviews. No. Not at all. I mean, if anything, I think it absolutely gave me an advantage that I was unusual for an applicant. I I feel like that because um there are a lot of things that would have would actually have helped me now in med school. I mean, having had done having done bench research is helpful. I'm just really not interested in it. But <clears throat> you know, if I hadn't gone in, I probably would have done that during the year off. Um, but I feel like I got in on my first try because um, I was a literature major and philosophy minor and. Um, had a lot of shadowing experience, and I was just very clearly going to be a clinician, not a researcher. Yeah. Um, but I think they just um, they just look for like confidence and um, being sure in your path, not necessarily like specialty or anything, but just being confident that you're ready to do this because it's hard. So if you're not ready. I think people should take a year off after undergrad if they're not quite sure they're ready because um, I think med school is fun, but it's only fun because I had fun before <laughs> too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's hard for, and I agree with you. I think everybody should take some time off between undergrad and med school. I took three years off and I think that time off gives you time to unwind before the craziness of med school and residency yeah. Um, and it, it gives you a different perspective on life um, yeah. that I think helps you interact and, and be able to understand your patients a little bit more. If, you're, if, you, if you've been a student your whole life and now all of a sudden you're a resident, you, you really don't have that life experience that patients might be talking about and, and trying to explain to you why they like, missed their diabetes medication for for a week because they needed to go to work <laughs> yeah because they needed like, to go to that? work and they they just couldn't make it to cvs and and you're just thinking why not um <laughs> so I, I think that's great experience yeah so and i just felt like when i i tell pre-med this when they asked me about interviewing I, I know i remember i was so nervous about interviewing but i also felt like if i got an interview I felt like I was kind of set because I knew I was better in person than I was on paper because I didn't have all those check boxes. So it's like if I could get past the paper part, then I could like 
but I had so much fun at my interviews because um, I wasn't nervous about them asking me anything because I could just be honest. Like I really knew for sure I wanted to go to med school and I didn't have to have some like answer prepared. If I had interviewed even a year before that, I wouldn't have been able to feel that confident. Yeah, that's awesome. And now you got in and you're, you're in loving life. Yeah. And drawing lots of fun cartoons. I want to talk about your cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start drawing these things? Um, I started drawing them last spring. Uh, kind of when I was taking microbiology, um, I started using this website called Picmonic that is picture mnemonic devices. Um, and they're just like really crazy pictures that you draw to help you remember, you know, cause there's like a billion kinds of staff and you need to remember which ones are catalase positive and all these teeny details that are just really hard to get straight. <laughs> so, um, like doing something physically and hearing it and saying it and like as many different senses as I can use, that is how I learn the best. So I recommend that website to medical students. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, kind of got my drawing juices going, I guess. I used to love art when I was like real young and I kind of just put it down and never went back to it like since high school until now. Okay. Which, what's been your your favorite or, or what's been your most well-received picture? Um, probably the most well-received ones are like charts, <laughs> like infographics that I do. I think the most popular one was, um, I think I called it the ups and downs of medical school and it was like... Um, a graph and it's like the X axis is the time of day and the Y axis is my mood. And it's like, <laughs> wake up, eat breakfast, drink coffee. And like, it shoots way up, like get to school and it like shoots to the bottom. <laughs> uh, and then it's like, just goes, you know, typical med student daily activities. It's like lecture one, lecture two, lecture three, mood is getting worse. And then every time it's food, my mood gets vastly improved <laughs> a little spike there mm -hmm. what what gives you the uh the inspiration to to draw something um i don't i guess just there's just so many absurd things in medical <laughs> school that we all laugh at all the time and then it just occurs to me like oh that would be that would be pretty easy to draw you know i try to think of kind of like a montage type of thing, like, um, I don't know, all the ways I could spend my time during exam week, you know, and draw like four to six situations of things yeah. that I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> One of my favorite ones was the the refrigerator with all the different food, in yeah. it, the food of medical school or whatever you called it with the, the strawberry yeah. tongue and, and everything else. I, th I thought that was pretty well done. There's so many disgusting food metaphors in medicine. <laughs> yes, there are. You, you'll never look at food the same again. 
Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and and talk about your blog. The the blog that you do is is more than just the pictures, right? Yeah. Um well I I just put up one tonight that was a written post. But uh it just depends because pictures I can draw, you know, during class or I can like right now I have You're a You're supposed of, to be listening during class. It actually helps me listen to do something else <laughs> while I'm listening. Interesting. Like like doodle. Uh but or I'll just sketch an idea. I don't know. Sometimes on the weekend I'll draw like four and have them like ready to go. So when I'm really busy, I can't really like write out a long blog, but um I try to write, you know, like pre-med advice and kind of different aspects about applying to med school or shadowing or um I wrote a few product reviews of uh, things like Pygmonic and this other website, Firecracker, that just like have really helped me, which mm-hmm. like they didn't pay me to write or anything. I just um, think, you know, like I didn't hear, I only heard about it because a friend was like, hey, have you heard? I just want other people to know about it. Um, what else do I do? Every once in a while I do something kind of political, but I try not to do that too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it's good. I I've read a bunch of your stuff, and I I love your your pictures. They they make me laugh. And and you were, <laughs> you were, you had one recently about the 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 steps to get to the doctor or something with the yeah the, the rocks. I I, I yeah. said that you needed to put a uh, barbed wire fence around step one, yeah. make it a little uh, a little more realistic. And I'll Kaiser I'll put... Kaiser Family Foundation's like residency program replied to me on Twitter and said that the. The rocks needed to be much narrower and much taller. <laughs> yes, more like we're dangerous. <laughs> yes, M- Mount Everest, not just little pebbles. Yeah, yeah, they're they're great. They're they're a good laugh, and I'll link to a bunch of that stuff in the show notes. Uh, where can people find all your stuff? Uh, my blog is at www.thehealthscout.blogspot.com. And then on Twitter, I'm at Health Scout Blog. All right. And I'll put links to those in the show notes uh, so people can easily get to them. So while they're driving, they don't have to write down all that stuff. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what is some parting wisdom that you might have for a, a non-traditional student or even a traditional student out there that, that is questioning their desires? Um, my advice would be to ask for help, talk to as many people as you can, like, especially doctors, listen to young doctors over any pre-med advisor. (laughs) If someone who just finished medical school tells you to do something, just do that. (laughs) Um... And if you already know, but you're just, you know, going through like the fear and self-doubt with applying, then, you know, it's okay to be scared. Just keep doing all the stuff you're supposed to do. And the fear goes away, work out, even though it doesn't feel like it will. All right, folks, that was Dahlia. I hope you got a ton of great information today. And and the take-home message really is 
you can do whatever you want as a pre-med. There, there are obviously specific prereqs that you need to get taken care of, and every school is a tiny bit different, but for the most part, there's a set uh, core of classes that you need to take. You obviously need to take the MCAT for the majority of medical schools, and other than that, go, go live your dreams. Go do what you're passionate about. Dahlia did exactly that, and she is still in medical school, still pursuing her dreams of becoming a physician. So go say hi to Dahlia. She's at Health Scout Blog on Twitter. And uh, again, I'll have links to that in the show notes, which you can get at medicalschoolhq.net slash 53, as in session 53 for today's uh, episode. As always, I do want to remind you this podcast is brought to you by the Academy at Medical School Headquarters, an online membership site for helping you through the pre-med process. With monthly office hours, webinars, and a growing library of video and audio interviews and courses, it is a vital tool to help you get into and through medical school. Just go to jointheacademy.net for more information. Folks, I hope you continue the conversation with us. You can do that at the show notes. I mentioned medicalschoolhq.net slash 53 for today's episode. You can find us on Twitter. We're at medicalschoolhq. And Dahlia, again, is at healthscoutblog. Or you can shoot me an email. I am ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. I want to thank you, as always, for continuing to give up a little bit of your time to listen to the podcast today, and I hope you join us next week here at the Medical School Headquarters.